last time on Tales of the Voidfarer. The Voidfarer is a ship, but beyond that, it is a crew. Well, I first learned that from my dad when he was captain. Why'd he stop being captain? It's it's a long story. Right. Maybe someday I'll share it. A captain of the ship came to the three of us, specifically made it so that we would go on your ship. We were treated differently, and now this is happening. You know something. I can get into it more when we're back on the ship. We're bringing the creator ship to Crotspace. The, the center of Forge society is coming to this system. There are better places that you can find. That's a natural 20. Holy fuck. Yes, yes, I will take flight immediately, which is insane. This dragon is no longer a dragon. There is a flash of blue light, a octagonal portal. A gargantuan ship slowly lowers itself through this portal. The Eberron-built forged creator ship as it enters the material plane in crop space. Let's kick off another episode of Tales of the Void Fair. It's been a hot second where all of us are, well, I'm recovering from being sick and Tanner is now dealing with some allergy bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should say my apologies if uh, I sound deeper or there are sniffles on my end. At least none of us are dying from the coronavirus yet. Yet. But anyway, we're going to jump into this finale of chapter two and that's pretty exciting. So, how's everybody feeling about the adventure so far? Fantastic. Are you asking us or the audience? The audience. I'm waiting for them to reply right now. <laughs> Leave a space. <laughs> right. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that was a little confusing because I yeah. was sort of addressing the audience and then I like seamlessly like was addressing you guys so i could see where the confusion was but this is our own little play along at home like in my brother my brother and me um i think if we're gonna wait for the audience to respond um we're gonna be here a little while but no you guys uh (laughs) since we've been kind of jumping into the episodes the last few times we haven't had a chance to really chat it's true i'm bummed that i didn't get to uh to to mind uh fuck a dragon i guess <laughs> mind fuck a dragon yeah yeah i mean <laughs> best way to find friends you know there there's there's certain things as a dungeon master that you never expect to have <laughs> to adjudicate but you know <laughs> that list just gets smaller and smaller really all the time yeah I mean, the pleasure center of the brain a need to know for anybody. I mean, you're just standing on the in the opening of this asteroid right now. You could turn around and go back if you really want to give it a go. I'll think about it. I'm going to keep you on your toes, Nick. All right, I mean, that's I would have it no other way. <laughs> so, but anyway, let's just jump back into things then. So, uh, you guys just 
emerged from the cavernous opening of this asteroid. And as you emerged, you just watched as a rift in time and space opens and a fucking gargantuan ship slides through. The Warforged Creator Ship. This thing is gigantic. It's probably well over a thousand feet long. It dwarfs the Voidfarer. You're pretty sure that at its widest point, it is wider than the Voidfarer is long. And then you see the flickering massive ring of fire that encircles its midsection. A smaller ship breaks off from what looks like a series of docking bays built into the bow of the ship and begins cruising towards you. Val seems to be a little preoccupied. She's walking off to the right around the corner. And if you follow her, you'll see that the Voidfarer is actually not at the dock anymore. You catch a glimpse of it a good couple thousand feet away, drifting on its own. Val, with a wide motion with her hand, kind of flag it down. And you see the ship begin to turn towards you. And the Blackfin dislodges from the bottom and starts heading this way as well. Orella is standing there going, is there, is there anyone that needs any healing? I, I think I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Thank you. Uh, Scratch is going to say, actually, if, uh, if you're offering, I'm a little worse for wear. Um, and Arella will nod and cast your wounds on Scratch. Harker is going to turn to you. I owe you my thanks. And when the shuttle for the ship arrives, I'm sure the council would like a word. I will speak to them on your behalf. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still a little bit shaken up here, but you say that is is your boat? That's what came because you laid that, that, that bit of metal down? Yes. We just planted the third of the beacons, which was the final piece that allowed the Ark of Sybaris to lock on to this location within the Prime Material Plane. They came, like, immediately. <laughs> yes, they were waiting in the Astral Sea for the minute the connection was made. You sure they haven't been, like, like punking you? I don't understand. Mm, all right. Well, never mind then. <laughs> They're all Warforged, too, so I doubt it. <laughs> uh, Scriff is going to say, I am looking forward to visiting the creator ship once again. It has been some time, and I have much to report. What are you going to report on, Scriff? Why, many of the things that I have seen in my time upon the Voidfarer. It is every forge duty that travels the universe to when they return to the creatorship to relay the sights and events that they have witnessed. Is is Val okay with that? Why yes. No. All this right. stipulation was critical to me joining the crew of the Voidfarer. Val is going to say, I'm not too terribly concerned about it. From what I understand, the Forge are far more interested in the cultural observations and stories of the various adventures of their people. I highly doubt they're very interested in the day-to-day operations of the Voidfarer. I mean, it isn't like we have a lot to hide anyways, or am I missing something? Well, I imagine certain specific details would probably be of a particular use to some of the factions that we're not too friendly with, but I trust Scriv to not divulge more sensitive information. Mm. The ship that broke off from the gigantic warforged vessel pulls up 
to the outcropping of stone that you're standing on. And standing on the deck, you see another forged. He is kind of standing at attention, and he's wearing a regal, uh, like, tunic uh, that looks very official. A gangplank is lowered, and he strides down, and he says, Command Unit Harker, it is good to see that you have successfully completed your mission. May I ask, who are these fleshlings? Harker is going to say, Ambassador Proxy, these individuals were instrumental in achieving our mission. I would request that they have an opportunity to have an audience with the council. This Ambassador Proxy is going to kind of turn and observe all of you for a moment. I believe this can be arranged. Please, everyone, follow me aboard and I will take you to the Ark of Sybaris. At that time, the Blackfin actually pulls up and the side door to it opens and you see Brohane step out and say, Captain, is everything all right? We were sitting there waiting for you and a bunch of some fucking creatures came swarming out of there. We cast off uh, before they could do any damage to the Voidfetter. Yes, yes, we're, we're fine, actually. Um, apparently, we have an audience with the Council of Sybaris. Brohane is going to, like, look over at the the giant fucking ship there and goes, Well, uh, that's interesting. Can't say I was expecting to see that bloody great ship appear out of nowhere. Val's going to kind of turn to Ambassador Proxy and say, What are the chances that we'd be able to have um, the Voidfarer, my ship, meet us at the Ark of Sybaris? Perhaps dock and wait for us? Ambassador Proxy kind of looks at the ship. I believe that can be arranged. Um, Val will nod and say, Well, you heard him. Well, the rest of us here will meet you there. Marco's already standing next to Proxy. Didn't even wait for orders. He's already sitting next to Proxy, looking at him like, Come on, let's go. Time's <laughs> wasting. Right. I, I Captain, um, I suppose we'll follow you over then. And Val will nod and kind of head to board the Warforged ship with everyone else. I've got no reason not to go, I guess. Mm -hmm. Ravnus follows. Marco is following directly behind Proxy, mm -hmm. and um, he's already just asking, like, so, can you tell me a little bit more about this ship? About the, the Cerberus, wasn't it? The Ark of Sybaris, or more colloquially, the Creator Ship. Or the Creator Ship. So, what about the ship is... What's the word? How does it function? What's the purpose of the uh, fiery ring that surrounds it? Um, does it run also on phlogisterite? The Ark of Sybaris is powered by a bound phoenix, an elder elemental of immense power. Marco is jotting down notes quickly. I am unfamiliar with this phlogisterite that you speak of. However, the ship does use an extensive amount of dragon shards found only in the home sphere of Eberron. Spear of Everon. Interesting. Fascinating. So, about these dragon shards, and I'm going to kind of trail off here because at this point now, Marco is just going to be mm -hmm. pestering this guy every step about the ins and outs of the ship. He seems to be very monotone, just systematically answering all of your questions in turn. More information that you learn just in this conversation in response to one question or another, he says, Yes, the ship was originally designed and built by House Kenneth by commission of House Lyrandar. In the final days of the last war, the ship saw very little battle, however, as it crashed catastrophically in the Mornlands on the Day of Mourning. It was eventually found by our Grand Maker and eventually repaired. Fascinating. 
Interesting. So is there any historians on the ship that can give me a more detailed account of this war and so on and so forth? We have extensive records in our cultural archives. Marco's eyes light up like a kid in a candy store. Hmm. It's just like, so can I see that at some point? This will have to be a discussion that you have with the council. I do not have the authority to grant such permission. Council got it. Cool. Fantastic. All right. So this was the best decision that we've ever made, I say to the others. Why? (laughs) Because there is a lot of information that we are getting and I am excited. And he turns right back around and keeps asking questions. Right. And he'll continue to just answer questions. A lot of the, the his answers just spark more questions because he's talking about various houses and factions and cities you've never heard of and like just dropping all of these proper nouns that mean nothing to you. But yeah, so and this this continues as the ship is dwarfed by just the sheer immensity of the Ark of Sybaris as you approach. And you can see that the ship itself is made out of what looks like hard wood. However, it is almost completely covered and reinforced with metal fixtures, ironclad style, massive metal arms extend up from the deck and out to the sides and down below and seem to hold in place this gigantic flickering fiery ring. Val is going to kind of mutter to herself like, this is, uh, well, this is not what I was expecting when we went on this uh, mission. That's for sure. She says really to no one in particular. (laughs) So you guys eventually dock. Ambassador Proxy is going to turn to you all. If you'll follow me, I will lead you to the council. He's going to turn to Harker. Command Unit Harker, you may proceed to the debriefing chambers and provide your debrief of your mission. Scriv, you may do the same. And Harker is going to nod and Scriv will say, very well, Ambassador Proxy, I will do that. And I imagine I will be free to rejoin my friends afterwards. Yes, of course. We're his friends. Scriv and your other Warforged friends leave you with this new Warforged Ambassador Proxy. Proxy is going to gesture for you to follow him. And he's going to lead you off of this ship and you find yourself in this like large enclosed bay and you can kind of see the openings all around in various bays where other smaller ships are docked and through one of the large openings you can see the voidfarer begin to slowly approach as well and you see there's a forge there with flags that seem to be giving it instructions for how to dock proxy will lead you out of this large chamber which is like one of the middle decks of the ship And from the size of the ship, there has to be at least three or four decks below you and probably just as many above. This ship is big. Proxy will lead you to another network of corridors. And you can see that off of this corridor, what looks like a variety of leisure and recreational spaces. And you can see what looks almost like residences tucked into places. And there are forged about uh, minding their own business. Looks like they are playing like some sort of games with each other or or reading various old books. Couple catch your eye and their heads swivel to follow you as you walk. Um, you get the impression it is not often that they see non-forged on this ship. Uh, Ambassador Proxy will continue leading you through this area and like up a deck and into an area that expands wide open. That looks like it was probably like a large cargo deck of some sort. 
But now it is filled with various like shops and stalls that it looks like it's some sort of like market or bazaar. As you kind of walk through this space, you can see that the things that are being sold are almost entirely like luxury things or cosmetic things. You see there's like a forged there that seems to be offering various decorative studded augmentations to be added to the forge's like physical structure and body. You see there's another one that's offering paint jobs for any forge that would like them. You see that there is forge that seem to be bartering and trading in art pieces of various types and origins, paintings and sculptures and that sort of thing. Small pieces of culture. Um, Ravnus is going to um, nudge Marco and say, you can buy those kids another one of those really expensive hats. Oh, you, yes, of course. All right. And he just kind of immediately runs over there. <laughs> So, how much for the hats? (laughs) (laughs) So, you go up to what looks like a hat vendor, like, or the closest thing to it. But as you you quickly see that, like, when you get there, the hats are made out of wood and metal and the same material that the forge themselves are made out of. And you can see that there is a forge sitting in a chair, and the forge that looks like works there is placing what looks like a top hat on his head and welding it down. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and like placing bolts and rivets and stuff. And when he's done, he holds up a mirror and the forge looks at it. Why, thank you. I think it looks quite fetching on me. Why, yes, sir. It absolutely does. I have the best head ornamentations available. <laughs> Can I get one of the hats without it being welded to my head? The merchant turns to you. I don't understand. I would be more than willing to part with one of my lovely fixtures, but how will it stay on your head? Oh, um... It's a gift for a friend, and I think that they're far away right now, so I would have it welded once they're there. Ah, I see. Then you are proficient in such installation processes. (laughs) Um, not I, but I have a friend who is, yes. Oh, very well. Well, which one of these ornamental fixtures would you like? Um, is there anyone that really stands out as particularly piratey? Yeah, there's like one that kind of looks like a tricorner hat. All right. How about that one? Why, yes, a most excellent choice. What would you have to barter for it? What do I have to barter for it? Shit. Uh, hmm. Surely a fleshling like yourself would have traveled such interesting places and collecting such interesting things. Well, I do have money from our customs that could be collectible. The merchant kind of scratches his head. You hear like the (laughs) metal on metal. I don't believe I would have use for such items. Um, how about a dagger? Is there anything special about the dagger? (laughs) <laughs> um, it just came with my thing, so I'd assume no. <laughs> it's just a normal dagger. Uh, is this the same dagger you tried to give to Skurg? Correct. <laughs> I mean, you can make a persuasion check if you'd like. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that and see how well this works. Okay, persuasion. Uh, it's, it's not gonna be good. Uh, yeah, that's a twelve. Uh, what do you say to like kind of sell the cultural or artistic significance of this dagger? So I pull out the dagger and said, This dagger had been with me ever since my time on the distant world of Turl, and it's one of the most useful tools that we have. Uh, it has a, a great amount of sentimental value to me, and also could be considered a trinket from a distant land. I think that you could make good use of it as a weapon or even as a collectible, um, showing off your uh, your dagger from a distant world of Turl, where the fleshlings live. The merchant kind of 
nods along listening to your spiel. He goes, I am unfamiliar with this land, Toral. I believe I will take your dagger. Oh, fantastic. And he kind of takes it and kind of holds it a little bit, kind of weighing it in his hands and kind of observing it from every possible angle. And then he turns and sets it on the shelf behind him and picks up the hat and hands it to you. Ah. It easily weighs like 12 pounds. So yeah, I don't think I'm going to be used to the weight. So as he hands it, I'm going to kind of like fumble it with my my hands. Oh, quickly snatch it up. Um, Thank you so much. I, uh, I greatly appreciate this. You've made someone very happy. It is my pleasure. I am sure they will enjoy it once it is installed. And thank you. And I'm going to go back and join the group. Marco catches back up with the group holding this, like, not, it's not it's not big. It's, like, normal-sized, but it is clearly, like, a tri-corner hat made out of, like, brass and wood. And, like, there's bolts in it and, like... What do you think, Ravnus? You think they'll like it? <laughs> they could use it as a weapon, too. That's much more useful than the last one. <laughs> For why, Marco? I'm I'm sorry. For why? Why? Who'd you get that for? Oh, I got it for the kids. I thought it'd be fun, you know. A metal hat? I mean, it could be a decorative thing, and you know, from a distant world oh. that we've never been to. Your kids love fine art. I'm gonna go find oh, him a toy. I'm gonna be the best <laughs> uncle. <laughs> so you're looking for for like a toy type uh, thing? Really, I just want to kind of look around and see if there's anything sold here that I couldn't get in a regular market. Like anything that looks like like bizarre or unique or one of a kind or I'm always looking to red paper clip it up. Yeah. You can you could find pretty much anything if there's anything specific you're looking for, you could probably find it. Oh, the market is that large? Okay. Well, with the pretense that it's, like, something ornamental or, like, an art piece or cosmetic. Mm. It, it doesn't look like there's too many, like, weapons being sold here. Sure. There's like, it doesn't look like there's, like, potions or anything being sold here. And there's no, obviously, no, like, food or anything consumable. Uh-huh. So if you're looking for, like, something like a, like jewelry or some sort of clothing because there is there is clothing like act not not like metal clothing too like actual regular clothing right as well that looks like it's from all sources uh like a variety of cultures represented it looks like a lot of the forge that go out and travel collect a variety sure. of things and bring back uh, so if you're looking for anything in particular feel free to shout it out and you can probably yeah. find something you like know it. i i wouldn't mind just looking for some sort of um um expensive trinket like a necklace or a locket or a, a something like that yeah um you can find a it is like an amulet mm-hmm. that looks like it is made out of a bunch of layers of copper layered over and over and over each other and then split in the middle and like peeled back in each layer so it almost looks like the opening of a rose okay uh that that actually looks like it was probably forge made i see uh, i'm mm-hmm. gonna pick it up and turn it over a few times huh this is uh interesting piece here why, yes, it is made by one of our most talented of artisans, inspired by their journeys afar. Oh, wow. Huh. Made out of, a uh, copper, huh? It, precisely 36 layers of copper, oh, individually peeled back and shaped into the beautiful design you see before you. So what do you think? 36 coppers plus labor. So what, like a gold piece? Oh, I have no use of your money, but I would gladly trade you this piece for an item of equal value. How about an experience? 
you value experiences? I'm afraid I don't understand. I mean, I mean something interesting. What do y'all do for fun here? Why, we partake in a variety of activities, mm. mostly in the pursuit of new knowledge and the enlightenment of other cultures. And all right. Well, a variety of activities that exercise the minds. All right, all right. Well, let me do you a favor here. Y'all gamblers? I'm afraid I don't understand. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to pull out a die and show it to her and say, like, all right, you see... This die has a number on each of its six sides. And when you roll the die, a random number is going to show up, right? So how about this? I'll put something up for grabs, and I pull out a chunk of phlogisterite, and I say, now, how about whoever rolls the higher number gets the other person's thing? I do not understand. This crystal that you have shown me is interesting. Yeah. It resembles dragon shards, in fact. Dragon Although shards? I am unfamiliar with this color. Uh, uh-huh. Well, listen, I, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to, to have a little fun, you know, give you some experience in, 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 you know, what life is like where I come from. So, so I'm willing to not even trade just to give you this if you happen to be luckier than me. Now, my name is Luckbeak, so it's a, it's, 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 it's a big bill, and that's not a penguin pun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I still do not understand. Sure. Are you offering to give me this item okay. in exchange for... So, so I am unfamiliar with fleshling cultures, but here we trade items okay. one for another. I, I can see that this isn't going to work. Uh, yeah, and she... It's like she's like, oh, wherever you come from, you must not have, like, bartering. Sure, so, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I thought you all valued learning new things. But you know what? Yeah, forget. It's not even. It's not worth it. You wouldn't enjoy it anyway. So, <laughs> listen, I'll just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. That seems to track because, like, Scriv did not understand the concept of gambling when right. he played Spacer's Gambit. Right, right. I head back to the group. This place sucks. <laughs> um, Marco looks over to Luckbeak and is like, you want to say the hats for both of us? Nah, uh, I'd almost rather not be associated with that. When it, when, when, when somebody slaps it on Riley's head, neck's going to break, and I don't want that to be on my head. Well, I think it's a good gift. Ravness will uh, nudge Luckbeak and say, see, I do know what jokes are. Oh, okay. What, did you make one, or...? <laughs> because Marco bought a stupid hat that he can't use. Yes. All right. I see. Damn, that's good. That that is I guess you're calling like his whole thing a joke. He didn't actually make a joke, which is even harsher, but I kind of like that. <laughs> I I look up with a certain smugness and be like, "Well, I think it's a great gift. Y'all can just be wrong." All right. All right. It's going to end about as well as they think it's going to end. I think Marco's going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you meet back up with the group. Proxy is patiently waiting for you. And when you kind of, like, reconvene, he continues to lead you out of this market up another level. And this seems to be more common spaces and residences. And then it opens up into another large area within the ship. And this looks like it was probably at one point, like a large mess hall. And you get the impression that this ship was built to be like a military battleship. And a lot of it has been retrofitted 
to the just day-to-day life of the forged. And forged do not need to eat. So they really had no use for this mess hall. And you could see that it has been converted into a massive garden. It actually looks like a lot of the deck has been removed on the level above. So this large space actually spans two or three levels of the ship. And there is an opening in the ceiling that looks out to space. And this room is just full of trees and plants and flowers of all shapes and sizes, you know, species that you recognize and many that you don't. And you could see that there's like a path that kind of winds its way and branches its way through all of this foliage. And like, you could even see that there are like water features and stuff that have somehow been added a stream that kind of trickles its way through and the path has a bridge that goes over it. It was almost disorienting turning the corner and walking into this space that suddenly looks like a lush garden. And you see that there are a handful of forge just kind of like strolling through here and kind of enjoying this space. Okay. And Proxy is continuing to kind of lead you through this space onward. And you guys are traveling in general from the fore of the ship to the aft of the ship, but it's just a fucking huge ship. Like a city, almost. Yeah, I'm just taking notes the best I can with my 12-pound hat underneath my arm. (laughs) I'm kind of taking it all in as well. I'm I'm not exactly sure how to react to this sort of generation ship. I don't think Luckbeak has ever been sort of has ever really had the 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 understanding in his head that there could be a ship this big. Yeah. And Luckbeak obviously grew up in a spacefaring society. Right. But in the same sense that like just because you live in a port town doesn't mean you know how what it's like to be on a ship. Right. Sort of deal. But a single ship this large is like mind boggling, do you? For sure, yeah. It's, it is unreal to him. Marco yeah. is an overload. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and Val and Orella are following along, just kind of observing everything quietly. Um, Proxy is going to lead you through this garden, which is by itself a several, like several hundred feet long. And when you get to kind of the end, you can see where the, the walls kind of enclose back around. And there is like a little circular plaza almost that's probably maybe 30 40 feet around and there's like stone benches and like almost like a little monument in the middle um and you can see that there's large double doors on the one end that leaves this garden off of this circular plaza proxy will say if you wouldn't mind waiting here i will check with the council and i'll fetch you when they are ready to see you any gestures to the stone benches and you know just a general place to sit and wait is anybody else getting some Mass Effect vibes, or is it just me? <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, this is the Citadel. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, this just feels like the Citadel right now. I wasn't even really thinking about it, but that's kind of totally... Yeah, it's totally the, the Citadel. I, I think subconsciously it was kind sure, of Sure, you weren't ripping off Mass Effect, okay. <laughs> right, right. Good amount of inspiration from Mass Effect. I mean, Mass Effect's great, why wouldn't I? So yeah, so you just are kind of left here in this central sitting area on the one end of this park. Now that you're stopped moving, you can hear the sounds of uh, like some birds and insects and stuff. And like the faint trickling of water as it seems the source of the stream that meandered its way through this space is originating from a fountain that's just off to the one side of this area. And you are kind of left to your own devices to wait here. 
Ravnus will just uh, sit down on one of the benches, and she seems a little bit uh, aloof despite her uh, her shenanigans earlier. <laughs> hey, yeah. does I don't know? Does this strike anybody else as just kind of strange? I mean, Scriv seems so much more advanced than a lot of these fellas on this ship. Um, I mean, maybe it's just a life experience of having lived on the Voidfarer, but it just seems like he's got it more, I don't know, he seems more personable. Does that make sense? Why aren't these guys personable? Well, it seems like they understand less than he does. Like, you know, like he's had more life experience than them. Do you think they're all travelers, or do you think that... Some of them are simply vendors who live here, or I'm just trying to get a, a feel for what you think's going on. Marco is not listening. He is currently feverishly taking notes <laughs> to the where it's boring into the page underneath it. I don't know. They might live here. Yeah. Val's going to speak up and say, uh, I think there's something to that. From what I understand, the Forge are encouraged to leave the ship and travel and make their own paths in the universe on the stipulation that when they feel like they should return, they report back their experiences. What little understanding I have, and which is mostly from Scriv, honestly, is that um, that's part of the way the Forged as a people are trying to create their own culture by observing um, the cultures of others. Sure. But uh, like I said, I only know what I've kind of gleaned from talking to others. Sure. Yeah, that all checks out, I guess. Um Arella will speak up and actually say, Celestian's call to wander reaches all. It is no mystery why the Forged feel his call as well. All right. All right. Are you, are you surprised that Scriv never tried to come back here on his own? Val is going to say, no, from what I understand, it's kind of left up to the individual to decide when that is going to happen. Uh, mm. He's been with the ship at least the last 10, 12 years, at the very least. is. How did he get in touch with the ship? Did he have a beacon? Could we just have invited these guys back to our ship and laid out his Scriv's beacon? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. uh, I, I, I don't remember the exact circumstances. That's fine. My, my father recruited Scriv. Okay. At that point, um, you notice that there is a forged, one of the ones that was kind of meandering through the garden on their own. They're shorter than the other Warforged, most of them that you've seen, probably about like maybe 5'2", real slender frame, and wearing just a super simple tunic and nothing else, barefoot, and no of the fancy ornamentations that you've seen before or anything. And they have a large leather tome under their arm. And then the other thing that you notice is across their face is this blue mark like a twisting sigil of some sort. It almost looks like a harp. Um, like it's like a, a stylized curve U with some crisscrossing lines in the, in the well of the U um, giving it almost this like a lyre or harp like look. And this thing is like lopsided and across the features of this forged face. And it kind of like strolls up, with a little bit of like a spring in its step, um, like it's kind of like leisurely strolling through. And it kind of stops when it sees all of you. And its head looks back and forth across all of you with this kind of 
childlike body language. Oh, he- hello. Um, do you mind if I sit here? And it's going to point to one of the unoccupied stone benches nearby. Why? Of course. <laughs> I was simply looking for a-, a-, a place to look over my notes. All right. I see no problem with it. If you don't mind a question or two. Certainly, I love answering questions. This forge kind of like enthusiastically jumps on top of the bench and then crosses its ankles and drops into crisscross applesauce sitting on the bench itself. And it kind of sets its tome in front and opens it without looking at it, uh, kind of looking at you all. Uh, my name is Defect. What's your names? Oh. I'm, I'm come again? Yeah, Mario's like, come. Yeah. Huh? My, na- my name is Defect. What's your names? Yeah. This is error. I'm loser, and this one's shithead. Your name isn't really defect, is it? Well, yes, that was the name that was given to me by my creator. Oh, that sucks. Oh, uh, well, I'm actually Marco. Yeah, we call him shithead, though. (laughs) Ha! I believe that was a joke. (laughs) Whoa! Holy shit! You're part of our party now. (laughs) 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 So, um... If you don't mind me asking, Defect, um, what's, uh, I mean, I, as you can see, I'm a fleshling, you know, made of flesh over here, so what, what's going on with the tome and the, and the, 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 the sigil on your head? Oh, uh, well, the tome is, is, is my notes, they're my projects, I, I work on many projects, uh, they, uh, he kind of, like, flips through, and you can see all kinds of scrawlings, almost, like, in every direction. Like, he doesn't follow the lines. It's just everywhere. And there's diagrams of various things. And he's not staying on any one page for you to really see. I I like to, to make things. And these are a lot of the things I am planning to make or have made or, or am trying to make. And he gestures to the mark. And he says, well, this is a dragon mark of making. And he kind of says that almost like he's embarrassed about it. Um, I'm sorry, still a new here. What what does that mean? Uh, a mark of dragon making? It's a dragon mark, and this oh. is the mark of making. Where I come from, sometimes people get these marks that give them special abilities. And I've told that I am special because forged are, well, forged are not supposed to get these marks let alone the mark of making. Um, well, inter- interesting. Actually, um, this is my my tome that I write my stuff into. Maybe we can compare notes. I would like that very much, he says, and it kind of perks up excitedly, and you get this this very childlike sense about him. He's not, like, small like a child. He's still, like, he's a short Warforged, but he still has this kind of, like, youthful exuberance about him. Oh my god, we met Marco's robot so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he, like, flips open to, like, one of the more recent pages, and he kind of shows you a little bit, and he goes, This is one of my current projects. It has been the most challenging one yet. Interesting. Uh, so, what what's going on with this? Like, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to fix my friend. Oh. So, what's wrong with him? The- uh, he, well, back, back, back on Eberron, he was hurt, and he's kind of been sleeping ever since, but I'm trying to fix him. And Marco, you look at the notes and you see kind of like a variety of sketches and scrawlings all over the page. Like, again, there's like very little organization. But the sketches that you see look like sketches of, of a forged, of a one of these Warforged. 
And then there's like all kinds of like kind of scribbles and notes and diagrams and stuff all over it. It's kind of hard to make heads and tails of the actual writing, but you definitely see the sketches look like, well, that's clearly an arm and like where it attaches to like a shoulder. And you definitely see that like he's trying to fix another person, it looks like. But Marco, since you're looking, go ahead and make a perception check. You got it. Um, that would be a dirty 20, not that 20. Dirty 20? Sure. Like I said, it's kind of hard to make heads and tails of the scrawlings, and you're not sure if you're just reading it wrong or if there was a decimal point error or something. But the labels and the scale of this thing seem like horribly off. Because if you at your glance are understanding the scale that he's written, the arm by itself is probably 50, 60 feet long. Just um, the arm. At so, least. Like, this has to be a decimal point error. Yeah, that's so why Marco's going to be like, so, um, listen, I, I know I'm new over here and uh i'm i'm sure that this is fine but uh i think you may have made a slight error here the arm itself is gargantuan i mean this this thing is did, did you maybe make a I kind of point to the area where i think there might be a decimal point it's like at that point ambassador proxy walks in and says grand maker what are you doing out and about and he actually kind of like drops to his knees in front of this other warforged that you're talking to and defect kind of startles and looks at proxy ambassador proxy i have said i i am uncomfortable with this treatment proxy does not move grand maker i implore you that these are simply the protocols that must be adhered to someone of your station you can see that defect is super uncomfortable and he kind of like closes his book, turning to all of you and says, I am sorry, I will leave you all to your business. I must be heading back to my workshop. Um, okay, it was nice meeting you, Defect. Proxy is going to say, you will address the Grand Maker by the Grand Maker. Defect is going to kind of glance at Proxy and say, it, it is okay. Uh, defect is my name but proxy does not seem to respond or pay that any mind and defect is going to turn back to all of you and say it was a pleasure meeting you all and he is going to kind of quickly leave and when he does proxy will stand back up and turn to the rest of you and like without even acknowledging that that last exchange happened is going to say the council is ready to meet you Oh, all right. Ravnus stands up. Uh, Valnorella will stand as well. I think, I mean, Marco's going to stand with the rest of y'all, but he does kind of give, like, Luck Beak a look of, like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question that we probably shouldn't talk about right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's a knowing glance of, like, this is a conversation yeah. for later, but that was, I think it was kind of a confer confirmation. It's sure. like, was that fucking weird? I send you a glance back that says... I think that guy might be the god of their culture, but it's difficult to say why he was walking at night. <laughs> Marco picking up on that very you know, detailed that look. Classic look. We'll say, well, yes, I quite concur. <laughs> now let's pretend like everything's fine. And then I nod. That was a quite a lot of very specific information given in very subtle look. Listen, if we can transfer HP, we can transfer some, you know, very specific looks. Complex thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> of course we can. Proxy will lead you through these double doors 
into another chamber that looks like it's kind of like a large hall that looks like it might be used for like special events. But he leads you up a set of stairs into a chamber above that is equally as large. And the ceiling of this chamber is actually a glass dome. Brass and metal fixtures kind of crisscross and curve into this dome. And you can see that like kind of crystalline glass panes are inset into it and you can just see up into the starry void of space and on a raised platform in kind of like a loose semicircle you see there are five forged looking down at you and they're all dressed well the one in the middle is kind of a shorter slender frame and they have these kind of like flowing red robes the one to her left is also kind of slender, but a little hunched over slightly in kind of like dark, kind of grayish blue robes. Uh, the one on her other side is slender, but stoic looking forge in kind of like a slim green robes. And they are holding themselves very rigid, watching you as you approach. On the very end next to that one is large, kind of like the size of Dent, and wearing kind of like a uniform that looks more militaristic. And you can actually see that, like, built into its body is, like, kind of like spiked armored plates. And then on the other side is another forge that looks old and has, like, definitely, like, seen damage in places but does not look like a warrior um it just looks like this forge was built forever ago and has taken on a variety of wear and tear and they are wearing kind of these like dark robes and all of them just kind of watch as you approach and ambassador proxy is going to step up and say the council of sybaris i introduce to you the individuals that helped our scouting party place the beacons so that we may arrive here in crot space on the material plane. The one in the middle, the one in the red robes, is going to stand and say, Welcome, those that aided our scouts. If you may introduce yourself to the council, and then we will introduce ourselves to you in kind. Val will kind of look to you guys and step forward and goes, my name is Captain Valeria Rain. I am captain of the Voidfarer, and these are my companions uh, and crew. And she'll kind of gesture to you all to introduce yourselves. Sure. I step forward and say, uh, howdy, um, luck be combo. Good to meet y'all. Ravness. <laughs> Marco Astorio, uh, scholar, academic, guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Arella will say finally, Orella Ladare. Acolyte of the Far Wanderer. And the, the forge in the middle will nod and say, It is a pleasure to have you stand before us, having been such instrumental aid to our cause and our people. I am Counselor Maven. The one standing next to her that is kind of like hunched over slightly uh, is going to say, I am Counselor Extol. The one to the other side of the first one is going to stand. I am Counselor Cypher. The large one is going to stand and say, I am Counselor Valor. And then lastly, the, the old one that's beat up is going to stand and says, I am Counselor Alms. Um, the middle one, Maven, is going to say, We understand that... 
you saved what remained of our scouting party when they were in dire circumstances, and selflessly aided them to place the final of the beacons required for us to finally bring our creatorship here to Crotspace. Is this correct? Val is going to say, yes, that's the long and short of it. You can see Val seems to be kind of uncomfortable in this kind of formal situation. Counselor Maven is going to say, Very good. Well, I believe a show of our appreciation is in order. As such, we are prepared to grant the Voidfarer no less than 30,000 gold pieces <laughs> for your aid. Additionally, those that stand before us now may receive an item from our personal stores. Val is going to say, fuck, uh, <laughs> that is right? most generous. Um, yes, uh, she's going to turn to all of you kind of wide-eyed and like thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still choking on my own spit over there like, <laughs> what? And she will say, that is that is most generous and, and any... Any items that you were, would be willing to bestow upon us, we would be more than willing to accept. The endeavor of bringing this ship here is of the utmost importance to our people. It is but a simple show of thanks in helping with this endeavor. And should you need it, you and your ship have the support of the children of Sybaris from now on. Val's just going to nod and say, well, of course, of course. Thank you so much. Counselor Maven is going to gesture and two other forged are going to bring out a chest and open it. And the one more forged is going to reach in and pull out what looks like these like kind of advanced looking goggles they're brass and they have various instruments on them that look like they allow like the lenses to kind of shift and almost zoom and there's like gears built into the side of them counselor cypher is going to say these are finders goggles initially built on our homeworld of eberron and originally only able to be used by one bestowed with the mark of finding. However, we have been able to modify them to be used by any individual that possesses them. Should you desire it, one of you may have this. What, what exactly do they find? She's going to say in world words that equates mm -hmm. to... When you make a wisdom insight check, you can roll a d4 and add the number rolled to the check. And as an action, you can use the goggles to examine an object to identify the aura of the last creature that touched it. Make a wisdom insight check against the DC of 13 plus the number of days since last contact occurred. And on a success, you learn the creature's type and can immediately use the goggles to cast locate creature to find that creature. And this property can't be used again until the next dawn. Well, that one's right now already up on Marco's list, but uh, I kind of want to see what the others are. <laughs> I would love to know so how she uh, said that we... in real world. <laughs> yeah. Yes. See. That is exactly how she <laughs> yeah, said yeah, it. Yeah. It's really weird. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we choose one item each or just one item? 
One item each. One item each, so, okay. Maven is going to gesture again, and one of the Forge is going to pull out what looks kind of like a shimmering tunic shirt. Counselor Alms is going to say, This item was also created on our homeworld of Eberron. This is a shift-weave tunic. When a suit of shift-weave is created, up to five different outfits can be embedded into the cloth. When wearing the clothing, you can speak its command word as a bonus action to transform your outfit into your choice of one of the other designs within it. Regardless of its appearance, the outfit can't be anything but clothing, although it can duplicate the look of other magical clothing. It doesn't gain other magical properties. So it's basically a magic shirt that can be five different outfits and you can switch between them as you choose. Are the outfits pre-programmed into this one? I'm going to say they are, but... Whoever so chooses it may just decide what yep, those are. Gotcha. Thank you. All right. So then next the forge pulls out a cloak and it's kind of like a olive green color, but it looks like it has kind of like copper and brass woven through it. And Counselor Valor is going to say, this is a cloak that will protect you and doesn't say anything else. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a plus one cloak of protection. Okay. Uh, whenever I hear olive green cloak, I get excited. <laughs> so it grants a plus one bonus to AC and saving throws while you wear it. Well, seems like each one of this, these was made for one of us, so. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think Marco's going to step forward first, and unless somebody else really desires it, is going to take the finder's goggles. No, of course not. Uh, I'd like yeah. that shift weave tunic. Fiona, any uh, want for that? Nope. Ravnus is not going to go yeah. for that one. Ravnus is going to go for the cloak of protection. Um, when I step up for the finder's goggles, I would like to like speak to the council. And Marco says, um, may I make a request? The council will hear your request. Being a distant scholar and hearing about your archives has, has given me a great deal of enthusiasm. If it's not too much trouble, would you mind if I peruse your archives with your all's permission and also even potentially a chaperone if there are certain things that you would not like me to see? Counselor Cypher is going to say with like kind of her stern demeanor, and what information do you expect to gain, might we ask? Well, um, I, the thing is, is that I have no idea. Um, however... As my other compatriots and even um, one of your own Scriv can mention, um, I'm an academic first and foremost and just want to know more knowledge about your world, where you come from, and things of that sort. Uh, uh, certainly nothing to do with military secrets or anything that could be damaging. Um, Counselor Extol is going to say... And you expect us to take your word that you would not be using our knowledge to harm us? Well, I I did say that I would be willing to have a chaperone, so any knowledge that you would deem I should not have for your own security, I would be more than happy to uh, defer. Go ahead and make a persuasion check for me. All right. Fourteen. Okay. Counselor Extol definitely seems like he's still like distrusting and he like looks like he's gonna say something but before he does counselor maven speaks up and says i think this was a most agreeable arrangement 
We will of course have a chaperone with you, and also I imagine that your companion Scriv may also join uh, as well. Uh, and Counselor Extol, who got interrupted, was seemed to be g- going to say something to the negative, kind of looks at Maven and goes, yes, yes, I think it would be most agreeable. Yes, of course. Like almost 180 shift. <laughs> Marco um, says, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And I would love to have Scriv with me as well. It sounds fantastic. Um, and also, I don't have much, but I'd be more than happy to add to your collection of knowledge as well about our world. Counselor Alms is going to say, Ah, yes, a trade of information. I think the council would all agree that that would be beneficial for all. And Maven and the others kind of nod. Would you mind if I make an insight check on that? Certainly. Because uh, at least it gave Tanner the heebie-jeebies. I don't know if it gave gave Marco it. (laughs) Yeah, no, go ahead and make an insight. So that is a 13. They're kind of all hard to read because they're all robots, but... uh, you definitely seem to think that what Counselor Alms said um, was sincere. Okay. And then everyone kind of nodding in agreement was generally sincere to varying degrees of interest, where it's like you kind of get the impression that Maven generally agreed, Cypher agreed reluctantly, Extol kind of agreed after others were agreeing, and Valor, like, couldn't give a shit. But, you know, whatever. Mm. All right. I think Marco gets the feeling of, like, there's a brief moment of like, ooh, I don't like that. That sounded a little weird, but then it quickly passes to what was said. Mm-hmm. And you probably could just chalk it up to the fact that these are like robot people talking to you. So like sometimes the inflection hits a little weird. All right. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then I would, uh, you know, or nod and step back to where I was. Counselor Maven is going to say, your payment will be delivered to your ship. In the meantime, before we call this audience adjourned is there any other inquiries that you may have for the council while you are here ravnus is silent i think yeah luckbeak too because i think he's so overwhelmed i i don't i don't even know what questions to ask yeah so nothing um marco asked what he wanted to ask so i think i'm good at the moment actually um uh no i'm well, now I'm debating if I wanted to ask about the the Grand Creator, but I feel like that might end poorly, so... That's up to you. Yeah, I think Marco would... I think Marco's feeling would, like, he gets a feeling to ask about Defect, and then was, like, with the response that Proxy had, he kind of, like, slinks back and, like, maybe I'll talk to Scriv about that one. Yeah. All right, so then Counselor Maven is going to say... Well then, I extend, on behalf of the Council and all of the children of Sybaris... Our sincere thanks. We will have Proxy escort you back to your ship, and while payment is being delivered, you may peruse our cultural archive. Keep it in your pants, Marco. Let's go. Uh, Mark, Marco's already like, all right, let's go, come on. Mm-hmm. And Marco's like, no, it is not being kept in my <laughs> pants. It is out. And <laughs> <laughs> it's in the breeze. <laughs> I'm Dungeon Master Nick Yurisiva, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Wishing everybody a happy St. Patrick's Day and hoping you are spending it alone, indoors, in your sensory deprivation tanks of Purell. Or that might just be us. 
On a serious note, we know shit is crazy out there right now, and a lot of people are struggling. Many of us here at Project Derailed and Tales of the Voidfarer are right there with you. But in times like these, we have to stay positive, support each other any way we can, even if it's just sharing memes and creating nerdy content online, and encouraging everyone to partake in safe practices to protect themselves and others until all of this blows over. Remember, wash your hands for 20 seconds, don't touch your face, stay home if you can, and if you can't, stay at least six feet from others. We'll all get through this together. All right, enough of that. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Chapter 2 finale of Tales of the Voidfarer. We will actually be taking a little bit of a hiatus from normal episodes for a little bit, but don't worry. We are using that time to get back out in front of our production schedule and also produce some fun bonus content for you. Chapter 3 of Tales of the Voidfarer will premiere on Tuesday, April 28th. You can still expect some kind of content from us on those off-episode releases on March 31st and April 18th. We'll be doing another Voidfarer Uncharted Q&A episode, this time with the whole cast, so be sure to send us some questions on Facebook and Twitter. We also have some other content in mind, so stay tuned. Also, given that we were all shut in, we figured that we would take it upon ourselves to have a quarantine party live stream. We'll be hosting a little bit of a hangout stream over on the Project Derailed Twitch channel tomorrow, as of this March 17th release. That's Wednesday, March 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Come hang out and chat with the whole Voidfarer cast, uh, throw some questions our way, and watch us play some Jackbox games, and maybe even join in. If this goes well, we may even make it a regular thing. Next up, make sure if you're liking what you're hearing to give us a review on iTunes. Seriously, it's super easy, and it helps us out a whole heck of a lot. Also, follow us on our social media, at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. As always, shout out to Tom Goldthwaite for our awesome theme song and other original music with additional music provided by purple-planet.com. If you have a podcast and want dope video clips for your social media, check out Wave with two Vs. They are an affordable and easy-to-use service that lets you take your podcast audio clips and turn them into dynamic videos perfect for sharing on social media. Upload art, add a waveform, and even subtitles. And if you use our affiliate link, bit.ly slash wavefarer, and sign up for a plan, you will also be supporting the show. Link in the show notes. Check out Voidfarer merch on Project Derailed's Redbubble shop at bit.ly slash derailed shop. That was a long announcement. I apologize. So let's just jump back into the show. So, Proxy is going to lead the group back to the ship. Uh, you meet Scriv there. How did the meeting with the council go? Um, Were you? Yeah, good. Fine. Fantastic. I mean, what, we got 30,000 gold? And we're going to use that to pay the rest of the crew, right? And she, and she gives yeah. a pointed look to Val. <laughs> yeah, Val is going to say, yes, absolutely. That is plenty to pay the crew supply for months and get the ship repaired. We can even get the ship repaired in a fairly quick order with this amount. Um, yes, uh, it appears that even if the vault itself was a bust, we found at least as much as we would have even if uh, it was still intact. Um, and, and in fact, she's going to say, and actually, um, whatever you picked up, you could just keep it. Oh, um, uh, 
Done. So, like, the, any of the gold you scooped up in the vault, Val's just letting you keep. Um, if we want to say that, you guys can each take 100 gold. That represents what you scooped up on the way out of the vault. Marco's now not sure what to do with himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, Val is going to say, Well, we'll get things in order here then, um, if you want to meet back here after you're done perusing your library. And we still have to talk. Yes, I think we can have that conversation when we leave this ship. Is that a, is everyone in agreement? Yeah, it's fine. We'll be able to make way back to Nadir Anchorage. We'll have plenty of time to talk there. Until then, cultural archives, here I come. Come on, Scriv. Oh, the cultural archives. I just came from there. That is where I reported on my various journeys with the Voidfarer. Uh, and Marco, uncharacteristically uh, pushy, kind of like grabs like Scrib by the arm and just starts pulling him that way. He's oh, like, okay, here we go. He's like, great, so you can lead the way then. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, and Proxy will lead you both there. Like, you, you probably were like preparing yourself for like some sort of like weird robot library, but a, I guess a library is a library because you get there and it there's a familiarity that you have not experienced since setting aboard this ship because this is a, a vast archive like any other that you know and love. Shelves teeming with scrolls and books fill this vast space. Again, it looks like it was probably um, like another large cargo-like chamber that has been since retrofitted, added shelves and places of study, and there's like various other like kind of chambers or like laboratories off of it. But it seems that like this is where the, the children of Sybaris store all of their vast knowledge and do all of their scholarly pursuits here. So, Scriv, um, I have a question. Two questions, actually. Of course, Marco Astorio, I will answer both to the best of my abilities. Okay, first, did I die back there in the vault and go to heaven? Scriv, taking this <laughs> completely seriously, is going to, like, kind of turn back, like, in the vague direction of the vault and go, I don't believe so. Good. Um, so question two, this one more serious, uh, <laughs> I met, well, we met somebody named Defect who was said to be a grand creator? You met the grand maker? Uh, yes. But we don't know what that means. The Grand Maker is single-handedly the one with the power to continue our existence as a culture. He is the only one that can make a new forged. I, um... He is the only one that can operate the forge of creation. Uh, c- come again from... what? He, we, we met... So, uh, what you're essentially saying to me is that I met your god? He is not a god, but he is... Of great importance to our people. So he it, is single-handedly the only one that can create more of us. So would you say he's of your father? Yes, I suppose in a certain sense he would be. He did create me. Huh. Although he did not create every one of us, as many forged existed on Eberron before we, as a people, left. Um, okay, um, well, um... I'm sorry, I'm kind of I'm kind of resetting right now. You'll need to give me a second. So I did not know that non-warforge needed to reset, but I will gladly give you a second. Um thanks. So okay, one more question. Before of course, we Marco Astorio. Explore this vast collection of knowledge. Um are all forged the same size? No. There are a variety of forged forms that can be taken. You have seen 
our companion back there, Dent, who is quite large um, compared to others. And there are even larger that are made for heavy labor or battle. What's, what's the largest? It is hard for me to say. I have heard stories of Warforged Titans that are built to at least 12 to 15 feet tall. Primarily built as instruments of war. There are a couple in the ranks of the children of Sybaris that are left over from the time back on Eberron. And he's saying this, and that's big, but that's not... Yeah, the arm alone was like three of those stacked on top of each other. Hold on. At least. Yeah, like four of them, five of them. Yeah, like it's holy hell. Um, mm-hmm. So Marco is going to kind of compartmentalize that and be like, all right, there's a lot to unpack with that. Let's just move that back and let's enjoy the library for now. Mm -hmm. For the most part, it's going to be boring just grabbing things about culture and history that Proxy would not object to me grabbing. Sure. But Um, there is one other thing I'd like to do in here aside from that. Sure. Um, Just let me know what information you're looking for and I'll let you know if you find it or what you need to do to find it. Um, The big one that I'm looking for, though, because a lot of that can kind of be like set to the side, is I want to look at the title of the books that he doesn't let me read. Okay. Basically, I'm going to like, I I think the game of it is going to be like Marco is just kind of like grabbing, picking whatever he finds to be fascinating about history and culture, but then might try to grab like... A military book or, like, something that might be a little more, uh, spicier. Okay. Like, once he says no, Marco will not push back at all. He'll just be like, oh, okay, and then put it back just like anybody would. But he's going to make a note that Mm -hmm. he stopped me from reading that, whatever the title is. You grab, like, a couple military books and he actually doesn't stop you. Um, And they seem to be, like, history books of, like, Eberron and, like, you know, the last war and dealing with, like, maybe some of the, the houses of Eberron. And like the different nations and stuff. Um, he actually doesn't stop you. The only book that you find that he actually stops you is a book simply titled The Forges of Kenneth. The Forges of Kenneth. Yes. Okay. Um. It's spelled C-A-N-N-I-T-H. He says, I'm afraid that I cannot permit you to partake in this book. I apologize. Please oh. select another. Oh, let's... No problem at all. Fair enough. And puts it back and uh, keeps going. In general, what you were just looking for, like, kind of history and culture and stuff? History, culture, things of that nature. But yeah, just getting general information on who they are and what they're about. You do you do learn quite a bit. You don't even need to rule. You're you're kind of given enough free reign and with enough time that uh, you're able to kind of piece together this information pretty easily. You basically confirm a lot of what you've learned already that Warforged were originally created by um, this house Kenneth on Eberron to be used as mechanical soldiers. Then there's a lot of debate whether or not Warforged have souls and whether or not it's ethical to be, you know, creating them for the use of war. You learn about the last war on Eberron, this huge like world war basically between the different houses and nations of Cover, this continent on the planet Eberron. And you learn about the end of uh, that war, um, an event called the Day of Mourning, which was this huge catastrophic event that left a huge scar through the center of Cover. And mm. from that area is where the children of Sybaris sprung. You learn even the history of the Grand Maker, uh, as he's called in the text. Um, and th- you can tell that you're getting into records that the Forge have kept themselves. 
you learn that he was a just a normal forge that was built by House Caneth during sometime during the last war, who was basically discarded for not being able to perform the task that House Caneth needed him to, um, which led to him being given the moniker Defect. Mm. And it was some time towards the end of the war he manifested the Mark of Making, which was something that was thought impossible. Only members of House Caneth could manifest that mark, and Warforged in general do not get dragon marks. Okay. So the fact that he manifested a mark, and it was the mark of making, was huge. And he basically became wanted. He was on the run for many years, kind of living in the the back alleys of the massive city of Sharn, and eventually fleeing into the Mornlands, this massive wasteland caused by the Day of Mourning. There he found the remains of this ship, and when word got out that there was a Warforged that had manifested a dragon mark, Warforged flocked to him. He became a savior, a messiah, and that is how the children of Sybaris originally were created. And when there was more of them there, they got bigger ideas. They fixed the ship and realized they could fly it into space. And it was only a matter of time before they could find a forge of creation abandoned in the Mornlands, install it onto the ship and take it with them. They had everything they needed then because with the mark of making, Defect could operate that forge and create more Warforge. Um, And that was how the children of Sybaris were born and how they fled Eberron into space. Well, holy shit. Uh yeah, Marco is just enamored as he continues to just read and read and read. Um, mm-hmm. At some point, too, I would like to maybe try to go talk to the Grand Maker again, though I have a feeling that I'm going to be stopped on that one. Um, We'll see. Okay. So um, let's let's jump to Marco and Ravnus. Uh, um, you mean Luckbeak and Ravnus? Uh, yeah, my mistake. Names are hard. Luckbeak and Ravnus, was there anything else you wanted to do before you eventually push off from this massive ship? Uh, no, Ravnus is really just sort of like biding her time until they can go. Yeah, I... I'll see if anybody wants to trade for my fine clothes in the marketplace, since I really don't feel a, a super need for those anymore. Yeah. Um, actually, if you really wanted to, um, the Warforge that had that kind of copper rose amulet would be willing to trade it for Perfect. fine clothes. That's what I'll do then. Copper rose amulet. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, she's she was like... Ah, yes, you have figured out how bartering works. I knew how bartering works. I just thought you might want, like, a look at the outside world or something. You know, gambling. It's it's fun. It's a game. You like games? I don't I, understand. I, now, I do you like are games. being willfully ignorant at this point. I'm telling you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a game with stakes. <laughs> Tell me when to stop or slow down. Where the... I winner of the game gains are people stabbed with these sticks nope and neither do they eat them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay stakes like like uh 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 you know things you can win or lose right and the winner gains the loser's possessions did that all track i don't see what is fun about this well, there's a thrill this is a one-sided trade i mean it is i mean it's it's based on like you know wh- I, how you how lucky you feel or how skillful you are do you have any concept of luck i think so i mean 
Luck is when something that shouldn't happen happens anyway. Yeah, I guess. Something of insignificant probability happens regardless. Okay, so here's here's what I'm getting caught up on is that I think you understand every single component of what I'm saying. <laughs> you just can't put it together. This is the Patrick explaining, <laughs> or like Man Ray explaining to Patrick. Is gambling like... an instrument? <laughs> <laughs> All right, forget it. Got it. Yeah, no, like, she she likes to barter. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. like to gamble. So, all right. So, Marco, um, you wanted to go off and find the Grand Maker? That is correct. Uh... So, okay. And Tom had a good suggestion that I will shamelessly borrow. I think that in your time that you spent in the cultural archives of the Children of Sybaris, it will grant you a boon that gives you basically three uses that should something arise down the road, you can use one of those uses to declare that you read about it in the archive. Okay. So there'll be three instances that anytime you'd like, you can say, I read about that, and to just automatically know about it. All right, fantastic. Cool. All right, so um, how did you want to try and find the maker? So uh, I think I would probably first turn to Scrib and be like, so... I would like to talk if it's, I mean, do you know where the Grand Maker is? I have a couple of questions for him. Well, the Grand Maker has their own quarters um, deep within the ship itself and a workshop below. Um, between the quarters, the workshop, and the forge itself, I believe they spend most all of their time there. Could you take me there to, to one of these places so we could maybe, you know, get an opportunity I to talk to him? could try, but the Grand Maker is a individual of great importance we may not be able to receive an audience now i have a question of whether or not marco would do this or if he would respect the rules uh, that's a question for marco yeah it's like <laughs> marco is just gonna be like well all right i think i'm gonna leave this up to chance i'm gonna roll for myself here and evens are odds odds i try to go find the grand maker and sneak away evens i'd be a good boy it is a five, so Marco might be a bad boy. Okay. Um, Marco's going to be like, so uh, I'm exhausted, Scriv. I think I'm probably going to walk around a little bit, collect my thoughts, and then head back to the Voidfarer. We can meet the Grand Maker another day. I don't want to put you through all of this formality. It is of no inconvenience to me. I have no prior engagements. Um, but if you would like a time alone, I would be happy to provide. Uh... Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is more knowledge I've collected in one day and that I've had in a very long time. So I think I'm probably at mm -hmm. least going to go back to the uh, atrium and think it over. Okay. The archive itself is actually uh, kind of below the garden. Mm -hmm. So you came up from the, the archives, like kind of into the garden and were like slowly working your way through the garden back to the docking bays. Okay. So... May I burn one of my boons that I was given? Sure. And say that I learned where the Grand Maker's quarters were on the ship. Um, you know what? Sure. Okay. Just looking over the schematics of the ship, I think it'd be like highly important person in this area. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so I wouldn't say you probably didn't find schematics, but yeah. you did find like text talking about like the creator and the ship itself and was able to piece together details about vaguely where the uh, maker's workshop is 
which you learn that it is actually uh, near the garden, but like four or five decks down. All right. Well, um, Marco is going to make his way there and see how far he gets. Go ahead and just make an investigation check to see if you could navigate the ship. That's a fair assessment. That would be a 24. 24? Uh, yeah, just kind of like with your innate sense of direction, like, and you find your way down a couple decks. Now, here's the other thing I need you to do. I need you to make a stealth check for me because I imagine you're trying to make your way down here without alerting anybody. Yeah, best I can. I don't think I would be necessarily like Pink Panther slinking about, but I certainly don't want to get spotted. Oh, this might end poorly. (laughs) This ended poorly. That's a nine. Okay. So, um, you work your way, like, kind of having, like, a rough idea where the um, maker's quarters are. You know that it is on the second to the lowest deck, Mm -hmm. and you know it's towards the aft end of the ship. So, you kind of work your way down there. You know where you're going just fine, but what you didn't realize is that before you get to the maker's workshop, and by extension their quarters, the Forge of Creation is in that path and you turn a corner and see this large double doors and on either side of it is standing the fucking massive 15 foot tall hulking behemoths of warforged like they don't look like the normal warforged they look like they are more mechanical um, this looks like it is just like a hulking golem of a machine. And there are two of them standing to either side of this door. And their arms actually are shaped into large curved blades. Oh, my. Uh. You kind of turn the corner and you see them and they both kind of shift and look at you. and But they don't say anything. Uh, hi. Um... Oh, shit. What is hell is Marco going to do here? Um, they they don't say anything, but like they each extend their hands down to the center. So like they're both of their bladed arms cross blocking your advancement. Ah, I see. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But they don't say anything. Um, I'm Marco and I think I'm in a place I'm not supposed to be. Can you... Tell me where I could go to get back to the garden. There is no response. They stand there glowering at you, but like continuing to block the path forward. Yeah, that was more to test to see if they actually could speak. And it doesn't seem like it. No, it doesn't seem like it. Um, But you definitely get the impression that this is a Warforged Titan that Scriv mentioned. um, Marco is going to make a mental note of this. Looking at them... um, Unfortunately, I don't think Marco would press his luck to try to, like, break his way in here, so I think that this mm. might be where he, uh, he calls no joy and, and returns. Got it. Yeah, so Marco's just gonna look and go, well, um, I'm sorry to have disturbed you fine, fine guardians. I will be returning back to the gardens now. Goodbye, then. And he turns around, he, he goes back. Cause I don't yeah, they, their heads kind of swivel and creak as they watch you go, um, but they otherwise don't do anything. And you can find your way back to the docking base in the Voidfarer just fine. Yeah. So, uh, you guys all reconvene at the Voidfarer. Payment in the form of several large chests is loaded aboard the Voidfarer, and you guys eventually make way. 
and Val has Salon make a heading for Nadir Anchorage. And you know you will be back there in about a day. All right. Okay. Then uh, after all of the orders are given and everyone has their instructions, Val will actually come to you guys and says, well, true to my word, how about we have that conversation? I think that's a good idea. All right. Marco puts away his notes that he has been reading over again with a sort of strange look on his face and go, very well then. All right, let's let's go to my quarters then, shall we? All right. So Val will head up to her quarters on the very top and aft of the ship, and she'll open the door and let you all enter, and she will enter behind you. She's going to close the door and lock it and say, So, do we just want to um, perhaps start with whatever questions you have? Might be the easiest way to do this. I guess the first question we asked was, why us? Why did you pick us? I, what I said before was true. I picked you because your individual skills called to me and, you know, being that I was recruiting for the job that I once did, I felt that you were all well suited. But um, there is a little bit more to that here. Um, She turns and is going to open a cabinet. Uh, There's a padlock on it. She unlocks it and uh, pulls out a dusty, empty bottle that is stoppered with a cork. And she just sets it on the table. And you hear like the rifling of parchment papers. And she pulls out a small stack of paper and sets it next to the bottle um, before taking a seat. I was on the stoic gondolier recruiting because of this. And she takes one of the papers and spins it around and slides it across the table so you can read it. Ravis and it says. Over to read it. Yeah, Marco would take it probably first and like extend it so we can all look over it. So you see written on this piece of parchment in kind of a larger handwriting. It looks like the writing is forced. Like it was somebody like gripping a quill. And writing very deliberately and hard. It says, Val, daughter, go a hammer ship, the stoic gondolier. Of its passengers, the voidfarer calls to recruit. And Val kind of watches as you read it, and she kind of places her hand on the bottle. And she says, my father gave me this, and it's the only way I have to communicate with him. It allows us to send messages by inserting a message into the bottle, and that message gets sent from my bottle to his, and vice versa. And this was the last message I received from him not long ago. Well, what do you mean not long ago? Before us, or? Before you, yes. Um, It was the reason I sought out that specific ship, the Stoic Gondolier, and boarded it, and was looking to recruit of the passengers on it. Hmm. A lot of people on that ship, Val. You're telling me. They all do what we can do? Something about the ship do this to us? I have no idea. All I know is this. I picked you because I saw in you value and the skills that would be ideal for this job aboard the Voidfarer. That still doesn't explain why you treat us different than everyone else. You're doing the job that I did, you know? I did that job under my dad. Um, I mean, I guess 
It's not intentional, but I mean, if if you recruit her due to these circumstances, she kind of gestures, uh, almost laughing to herself a little bit to the piece of parchment. Maybe you can't help but to wonder there's something special going on as well. But um, I don't know what's going on. But when you receive a cryptic message from your dad who's been missing for years about going to recruit people in a certain location, you kind of listen. I would, wouldn't you? Well, now as far as I know, didn't none of us know your daddy? So how does he know I, us? I, I'm not convinced he does. He didn't name you by name, didn't give a description. Didn't even say there was three of you. I chose the three of you because, like I said, you were the ones who stood out to me. I could have chosen them wrong. So I don't know. I was just told to go to a place and to recruit people. Hmm. Is... I don't know. It's <sighs> as much of a mystery to me as it is to you, but you can... Like, look. Before he left, my dad was obsessed. And a lot of the crew was starting to think he might have been crazy. Now, how... <laughs> you can imagine I wasn't eager to share that I was recruiting people by the cryptic scrawlings of a madman. Why what did was, he leave? What was wrong? What was your dad obsessed with? It's hard to say. He was never very clear about it. This ship, the Voidfarer, that much I can say for sure. I've only received four other messages from him via this bottle. And she kind of pats the other stack of papers right there. May I see them? Sure. Um, here. Here was the first one. And you look at it, Tanner, and it says, uh, and this handwriting is very different than the handwriting of the, the first message you read. Okay. It's more natural. It's it's in complete sentences. Uh, handwriting isn't the best, uh, but it is legible, and at least this seems like a normal person's handwriting. This was sent uh, only about a month after he initially left. Um, and you look at it and it says, believe it or not, I am now in crot space. Turns out it's open now once again. It'll only be a matter of time before other interested parties begin flocking here for their selfish reasons. No reason for you to come here. Best keep your distance. If I can find what I'm looking for here, I will return to the Voidfarer soon. And that's all it says. So, and then Val kind of slides the next message and she says, I didn't hear from him. I replied to this asking lots of questions. Um, he didn't reply to any of the questions and I did not receive a reply at all until this one, three months later. And she slides it. And it, this one says, I am sorry I have not written in so long. Things are complicated, but I've only just scratched the surface and things are looking promising. I may be longer than I anticipated. However, I am sorry. Don't worry about me. Keep the ship in realm space. There's far more to be had for the crew there. And that's the end of that message. And then she says, I wrote to him uh, again, asking more questions, and I did not get any specific replies until I decided to go to Crot Space anyway. Then, shortly after arriving, I received this. And the message says, I should have known you would have followed me against my wishes. I suppose you truly are your father's daughter. Be careful. The secrets Crot Space holds may send ripples through all of known wild space. I wish I can share more. You'll understand when I return. Soon. I promise. Marco slides the letter back. Uh, 
And Val says, I don't know how he knew that I went to crotch space. I didn't say it in any of my messages. And then takes the last message kind of hesitantly. And she says, after that last one, I did not hear for him for eight months, the longest yet. And this one is the most concerning. And she slides it across. And you can see now that the handwriting is now erratic and like, like scratched into the parchment. Um, it says, I was right. I found it. I was right. It is here. It is here. It is here. The port of origin. The moon that pulls the cosmic tides. I was right. It was here. But not alone. A cost. A danger. A threat. It will consume. 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 Consumed. Oh. And Val doesn't say anything as you read that. Well... I guess that makes what we have to do pretty simple, huh? I We got to go find your dad and figure out what the hell this is all about and how it relates to us. Yeah, I guess. I've been trying to piece it together. I Look, most of the crew think he's dead. And she gestures to that last message that is clearly written by someone who is not all there. And she says... And honestly, if they knew that I was receiving messages like this, I don't know what they'll think. And the last thing I want is them to think that I'm putting them in danger on some wild goose chase for my father. Um, Marco looks at the last letter, especially like it will consume that one and Mm -hmm. says, listen, do you mind if I hang on to this one for a little bit? I'd like to study it a bit more. Sure. If you think it will help. Now, the one thing you do notice, Marco, is this message came before the last one. The last one that said, go to the Stoic Gondolier and recruit. Yeah. And, Val, and Val will actually say uh, it was an entire year between those two messages. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you notice is that while the second to last message was that almost insane rambling, the, the handwriting is scratched and erratic, the handwriting in the last message, while fragmented, you know, single words and statements, not full sentences. It is calmer mm. and deliberate. Okay. Uh, Marco is going to fold up the letter the way it was and tuck it into his uh, into his book and look to everybody else and say, you know, this is a lot. You're telling me. Val's actually going to reach and pull out that same bottle of whiskey she had pulled out a couple days earlier. Um, with some glasses and pu- and start pouring for herself and then to you, almost to you guys as an afterthought. And then actually um, she's going to reach down and pull out a jar of honey and pour <laughs> a little honey into the glass for Luckbeak. They're very kind. I'm going to, I'm going to take a swig and then I'm going to say, um, Val, not just a few days ago, somebody died on this ship. And I'm keenly aware. We didn't treat you great about that because I think we still don't see eye to eye on it. But that's fine. That's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is the rest of the crew. Most of the rest of the crew, even the ones who were unhappy with how you handled it, were still ready to talk. We're still ready to negotiate with you. We're still ready to hear your side of the story. And Val, that's 
a bond deeper than a lot of families have. Friends are the family that you collect. So when you say you don't want the crew to to have to accompany you on this journey, Val, they see you as family. And your daddy ain't their daddy, but if he's something to you, then he's something to them. And if what you got to do is find him, well, I bet you if you tell the crew just that, they'll be all right with it. She slowly nods, kind of consuming, like, you know, taking that in. Consume is not the right word in this context. (laughs) (laughs) She digests Uh, it. She digests that and and nods. uh, And she goes, I think you're right. I've been worried, especially because of the way, because most of this crew was a crew under him before me. Most of this crew trusted him, even if he was starting to lose it in the end as far as they concerned. And in a lot of ways, I think I'm still earning their trust myself. Um, If the crew really didn't like you, they would have just eaten you by now. That's true, too. <laughs> Val, um, Val kind of rolls her eyes and takes a, a, like a, a longer than usual sip of her whiskey. <laughs> hey, Val, I don't mean to break this either. Did your father leave anything behind, like journals, notes, uh, anything? No, not that I'm aware of anyway. He <sighs> was kind enough to leave me this as a means of communication, and I fully think he intended to use it far more than he actually has. Um, for whatever reason. And um, he he kept all of his, uh, I guess, theories to himself. I think he worried what maybe the crew would think of him if they learned exactly the extent of his obsession with this ship. But the one thing is for certain, um, he thought the Voidfarer, this ship, he knew Something was special about it. And I think everything he has done, this mad quest of his, has been to learn more about it in one way or another. I don't know the details. He did not share them with me. At, at, at times it almost seemed as if he couldn't. I don't know why. And I don't know what it has to do with the three of you. I was told to go to the Stoic Gondolier and recruits. I... That led to me recruiting the three of you, and I don't know the significance of that. And I don't know anything about this connection. You know, gesturing to your foreheads where there is no longer a symbol, but where the symbol had appeared just, you know, earlier this same day. It's been a long day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How many times have you written to him since then? I've lost track. Um, I send him messages almost... Almost daily. Um, I I would hope that his bottle is not overflowing. <laughs> you think he lost? Maybe it. that means, well, something happened to him. Mm. I try not to think about it, but I would be lying if I said that I had not at least entertained the idea that something happened to him. But it, you know, it was a whole year before this last message. You know, how could I not have thought that maybe something would have happened? And part of the reason I came here was to try and track him down. But the crew still needs to earn a profit, and I need to feed them, and I owe a responsibility to them, so we continue to do our salvaging. And if any opportunity should arise where I can find the whereabouts of my father, I will take it. 
haven't quite given up on keeping an ear to the ground, so to speak. Maybe we can do something good then after the horrible things we did back there. What horrible things are you talking about? With the dragon. I don't know if I would call that horrible. The dragon was insane. A vestige of whatever terrible events occurred here over the last thousands of years. We gave him hope when there was none. We might as well have just killed him. That would have been kinder. Perhaps you're right. I'm I'm afraid I'm more preoccupied with things that are more immediately pressing. Perhaps I'm callous, but... Hey, let me try something. Um, I'm going to dig around in my, my satchel and pull out, like, a notebook and tear a page out of it. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to sign the bottom with my name. And then I'm going to pass it to Ravnus and I'm going to say, uh, sign your name. Um, Ravnus is going to start to write and then kind of like scribble over it and then write her name again. <laughs> Hell. All right. Uh, Marco, you too. Yeah. Uh, Marco very quickly uh, signs it. Uh, I'm going to take it back and then on the top of it, I'm going to write um, from the <laughs> from the deck of the stoic gondolier, colon, she did what she was supposed to do. Uh, and then I'm yes. going to give it to her and say, put it in the bottle. I, I like what you're thinking. She's going <laughs> to unstop her the bottle and then take it and go to put it in it. And she stops for a minute and she says, now, I, I feel like I should let you know I can only do this once per day. So if this is the message we want to send today. I mean, what are you going to say I'll that you haven't it. told him for the past 365 days? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we I, got multiple choices here. So uh... I'm I'm just making sure you have the information you need. I don't know. It's it's what it's eleven fifty nine. Quick, send it. <laughs> <laughs> she she'll she'll kind of chuckle and roll roll the piece of parchment up and slide it in and stopper it. And as soon as she stoppers the bottle, there is a kind of like flash of this violet light, and the bottle is empty. Well, I suppose the only thing we have to do now is wait. Okay. So until then, <laughs> we're gonna uh, wait in real time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mar- yeah. Marco is kind of like. So until then, um, listen. One of the things that also generated this conversation was us being treated differently, and the crew resenting that. Maybe we should tone that down a little bit, though, just for the sake that it doesn't stir up hurt feelings. Though, granted, uh, I think after they get their paycheck, those hard feelings might uh very quickly disappear. I think that is likely the case. Plus, with everything we've received, the whole crew is going to get a bonus. Oh, yeah, then uh, we we have nothing to worry about. <laughs> yes, uh, and I apologize. It wasn't a conscious thing. Um, but, I mean, the circumstances, given what they are, I think you can understand why um, it could have been perceived that way. Of course. So, I suppose you have any more questions for me while we're here? She takes a sip of her whiskey. Uh, Marco downs his very quickly and just says, no, no, I don't think so. I uh, appreciate everything you've done so far and your understanding of the current situations. I am sorry I withheld the information from you. Um, I suppose (laughs) 
I suppose some part of me still thought that maybe the sp- maybe my father had truly lost it, and there was no significance in this at all, but I appear to be wrong. I should have told you sooner. That's I apologize. It's all right. We would have thought you were crazy then. We didn't have the whole forehead thing. Yeah, that's a big reason why I didn't as well. It just It sounds crazy. Mm. You know, if we ever get a chance uh, to go back, whenever we go back to Nadir Anchorage, we might want to see some of the others from the Stoic Gondolier and see, and then like Marco realizes that Riley and Edgar were on there and mm-hmm. jumps up and runs out the door without finishing his sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you guys are sitting there as Marco just jumps up and runs out. Oh, yeah. Marco did have that sentence before and he cuts it off and just runs. Okay. Yeah. Val kind of looks wide eyed, uh, and kind of turns to Luckbeak and Ravnus like, do you know what that's about? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like anyone else on the stoic gondolier. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost sure it's about the kids, but I don't know. What's he going to ask them? Did y'all foreheads meld together or whatever it is? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. We could start bringing them into battle if we need more help. Okay. They they ain't our little E-tanks. We ain't going to treat them like that. <laughs> <laughs> Val is just going to take a sip of her whiskey. <laughs> Val will conclude that conversation and send you on your way, Luckbeak and Ravnus. And you guys settle in for your journey back to Nadir Anchorage, where the crew is going to get paid and fed, and the ship is going to be repaired, and you can start planning what's the next step in finding out what's going on with this cosmic connection between you and perhaps finding more about whereabouts of Val's father. Yes. I I think all three of you guys go your separate ways after this meeting with Val. It is getting kind of late. I imagine uh, you go back to the crew quarters. Mm -hmm. It it is getting a little bit quieter on the ship. People are kind of tending, you know, to themselves a little bit more. Um, And on your way, kind of down below the decks, as you are on the stairs, right before you get down to the Orlop deck where the crew quarters is, you pass Odyssey on the stairs. Odyssey is the tiefling rigor. Sure. And if you remember, he was one that was kind of on the anti-Val side of the conversation that was had just a couple days prior. Mm-hmm. And he's going up the stairs as you're going down, and there's no one else around. And as he's going up, he shifts his hand over and palms a small object into yours. Uh, And he continues walking without saying anything. And you look down and you see this small, smooth, oval-shaped stone. Kind of flat, smooth edges, obsidian black. Uh, And he kind of keeps walking without really stopping, kind of looking back over his shoulder to see your just immediate reaction. Do I recognize this stone? Well, make an arcana check. Mm, Dirty 20. This is a sending stone. Okay, I look back at him, like, with my my 
face kind of scrunched like what you know what i mean yeah he without really stopping he's like gets to like the turnaround in the stairs and kind of turns and kind of gives you a mischievous grin and holds a finger to his lips as mm-hmm. you know if to say keep this a secret and continues walking up the stairs without saying anything sure um and you as you kind of hold the stone in your hand it grows warm uh, and you hear a voice in your head okay are you the one they call luck beak humble who is this <laughs> you can call me the suzerain what do you want <laughs> my dear luck beak humble I do believe this very well could be the start of a very mutually prolific relationship. ProjectDerailed.com